0: Oftentimes, church, in an effort to strengthen marriages, emphasize it because you know divorce is so devastating, and singles often get left in the dust. I found this blog by Susan Mechenek nakaido She said, For me and many singles I've talked to, Sunday morning can be a lonely time in the week. Why? Because we see church as couples and a family's world. Sermons, announcements, and even the way classes and small groups are structured can, can communicate that we're not part of the program. Have you guys ever felt like that? No. Kind of, kind of feel outside? Okay. Um, here's another question. Uh, today, singles make up 40% of our nation's population and growing. We're the fastest growing group in America. How can we be sure that our church welcomes single adults? One thing I've liked that we've done here is men's ministry and women's ministry because I know it touches both single and married people. And yet there are married people that won't come to a men's, you know, a husband won't come to a men's group without his wife. And some wives won't go to a women's group without their husband. They're just so into their world of being apart, I guess, that when they're together they want to go to church together. So the day will come when we'll have a men's group and a women's group and a couples group, but they don't have to be married to go to that. So We'll just go around the circle again. Can you think of something annoying? This doesn't have to be at church, but something annoying said to you because you're single? Like uh, uh, anything? Sometimes it might be funny. You've told me a couple.
1: <laughs> yeah, the,
2: the uh, <laughs> I have told you a couple. Uh, over in Dallas... Back in the uh, late 80s, I was uh, was uh, sales executive for a company, <coughs> and, uh, you know, it was, it was Dallas. And all my salespeople, which ran in the thousands, made the assumption that, okay, Tom, you're not married. We know you're not married. We know you're divorced. But we never see with you, you with a girlfriend. We also are very, we're completely convinced you're not gay either. So, therefore, the only th- and you're not a priest, so you can't be celibate. So, therefore, you must be having an affair with a married woman and you can't be seen in public together.
3: Singles here, right? Yes.
2: A- <laughs> come right so, on in. Uh, come right I- on you're in. You're wrong. <laughs> wow, couches. <laughs> Great. Yeah, we got the best room.
4: Great. So All the, right. That was the Lord. oddest thing I
2: was ever told. Great. Years ago.
0: All right. Give us your full name and your favorite food.
3: Phoenix, um favorite
1: food is menudo. All right. What is that? It's a, it's a beef know. cow stomach soup. Oh, wait,
0: yeah, oh. <laughs> 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 right. don't you? All, right. All <laughs> right. So has anybody ever said anything annoying to you because you're single? No. Okay, Anybody? Why? Why are you still
3: saying it is like don't have you know know.
4: (laughs) at a wedding a woman comes up to me and says, See, there's somebody for everybody.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Anybody else? Okay. Question. What do the following people have in common? Let me read their names off to you. Uh, um, I may have prepped you, so. No, I just guessed. John the Baptist, Jesus Christ. Well, they were cousins, but you add to that mix Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The Ethiopian eunuch. The Apostle Paul. Anna the prophetess. Jeremiah the prophet. Elijah and Elisha. And Moses' sister Miriam. Mary Magdalene. Barnabas and Timothy.
2: I don't think Jeremiah counts.
0: Paul may have been married at one time. As Tom uh, shared with me, to be part of the Sanhedrin, he had to be married. Yeah, I wanted to ask you that. So, um, oh, no, really. But his encouragement of singles in 1 Corinthians 7, he said he wished everybody was like him. And he's obviously emphasizing singleness. He either was... Uh, a divorced person or a widower. All right. What do these presidents? Can I have one thing yeah. Paul also was
2: one of the only uh, apostles that, in his ministry, all the other apostles took their wives with them. He never did. Don't know if she had already passed away or if she wasn't invited or if she or, or what. But he never did, and all the other apostles except one did take their spouses with them in their ministry.
0: Yeah,
2: which I thought was rather unusual. You found that in scripture, and
0: much, yeah. much to the chagrin of some people of an elite denomination, the first pope Peter had a mother-in-law that Jesus healed, so he was married. All right, what do these U.S. presidents have in common? James Buchanan, Grover Cleveland, Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson. Martin Van Buren and Chester Arthur have in common. They're all dead. <laughs> That's good. Oh, man, I like this guy.
1: Yeah, yeah.
4: And they're not on any of
0: the dollar okay. All right. They were all, James Buchanan, Grover Cleveland, Thomas Jefferson, Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, and Chester Arthur were all single when they were elected.
2: Yes.
3: Actually, your comment isn't true because Jefferson is on the $2 bill. The $2 bill, yeah. okay, You're right. But we don't have
2: that oh. no more.
0: Yes, we do. That's yeah. still it's, it's still out there. It's, it's still, still spendable. All right.
3: $3 $3 um, <laughs> B- James
0: <laughs> Buchanan never married. Yep. Uh, Grover Cleveland was elected as a single man, but then while president, he got married. Can you imagine marrying the president of the United States? <laughs> <laughs> what a wedding that was. Um, Thomas Jefferson was a widower when he was elected and he never remarried, as was Andrew Jackson, Martin Van Buren, and Chester Arthur. Uh, Benjamin Harrison became a widower while president, and he never remarried. Woodrow Wilson became a widower while president and then remarried while president. Uh, And the same with John Tyler. So I guess there are three presidents that had weddings while they are president. So... um, Anyway, I just thought that was a little interesting bit of trivia that should be encouraging to you. All right, so now I'm going to pass out the class notes that I gleaned from a blogger named Mogama. Can we say Mogama? Mogama. Just pass these that way and take one for yourself. And as I said before, we were all here. This is our first time to do this, so if you have any suggestions... Of ways of improving what we're doing here for these six weeks, by all means, uh, share share with me after after the meeting. Um, we're not trying to start a singles group, so relax. I know that makes that repels some singles like the plague. We're just trying to have a Bible study to encourage people who are single at this point of their life. We're not putting a trip on you that you're going to be single for the rest of your life, but we're not putting a trip on you that you must be married at some point in your life. We're just encouraging you where you're at right now. And so my title tonight is My Heroes Have Often Been Single. Um, I thought about that phrase and how you emphasize it. It could be a guy that's just constantly becoming single because of multiple divorces. So I, I guess it could have been said, often, my heroes have been single. But because of the cowboy song, you know, my heroes have always been cowboys. <laughs> you wanted to spin off that. Uh, I thought about saying my heroes have often been singles, but that might sound like I'm not wanting to be married. So it's like, you know, my wife reads my notes. I think this is the best way to say it. And it is true in my own life. And I just want to take you a journey through my life of the impact that, that my life has received for the better because of single people. When I was nine years old, uh, my family moved to Liberia, West Africa, to be missionaries with our denomination, the one I was raised in. And in Liberia, the pioneer missionaries that were there before we ever arrived were single women, uh, Two women were sent out by the denomination to go and establish a base of operations for their uh, denomination in the country of Liberia. And Liberia, as most third world countries, will utilize mission bases to educate their people. So they were assigned a village three miles, three days walk, not three miles, three days journey from the nearest road. So they rode on trucks, buses, or whatever, buggies as far as they could, which was hours and hours and hours from where they arrived, and then a three-day journey. These are two single women, a three-day journey to a village in the middle of the bush where people did not know the language. I did not know how those sisters did it, but they created a base that was as big, acreage-wise, as, as um, the village And so when we arrived, we're standing on their shoulders, basically. There's a landing strip. There's houses. There's nice houses. There's a grave where a sister who later came on the mission field who didn't believe in taking medicine died within six months (laughs) from malaria. And uh, so there we were serving an area that would not have been in existence as a church base were it not for brave single women. And while there, I got to know some single women missionaries. I got to know a woman named Pauline Gruce, a lady from Detroit, Michigan, who was an RN who devoted her life to mission. She was one of the early missionaries. She may have been one of the first two, I'm not sure, to go there and serve the Lord. And while she was there in that village, the witch doctors took a disliking to her and predicted her death. And for three days, they worshipped Satan. They don't call him some other name. They call him the devil. They, their religion is called the Devil Bush Society. They worshipped the devil for three days. The, dr- the drums beat nonstop. And their testimony was that after three days of listening to this crazy drumming, um, the sky turned black, a bolt of lightning came out of the cloud, and hit her in the top of her head, came out the sole of her feet, leaving an injury in her feet. She falls to the ground. She is leaving her body. She looks down at her body. She sees the young believers, because they were leading people to the Lord, gathered around her body praying. And a voice tells her, I'm not done with you yet. You must go back. So she was raised up. The witch doctors never tried that again. And we were safe at this base that this woman had helped be a part of opening. So she was one of our heroes. She had, I never saw the scars, but I understood she had scars on her feet. Uh, in another city was a school that she had established, this same woman. Built things with her hands. Bricks, mortar, cement, and teaching primitive people how to work with Western-type tools. Wow. At this school were two single missionary women from Jamaica, Valda Russell and Ina Hilton. And they gave their lives... To teach children English, to teach children to read and write, to teach children mathematics. And Ina and Valda lived in duplexes. Uh, These things were already built before we got there. I don't know how the duplexes got built. But the walls in the duplexes only came up so high and stopped. It was so the house could breathe. So if you're in a house, you could whisper and hear somebody on the other side of the house whispering or they could hear you. And they lived in duplexes, right? So they uh, could hear each other. And uh, one night in the middle of the night, Ena Hilton thought she heard a burglar. So to scare the burglar, she lit a firecracker and attempted to throw it over the wall and didn't quite make it. It bounced back, hit her head, hit her bed, and went off. And Valda Russell wakes up and goes bananas. And she's trying, she's screaming, trying to get out of her window. And we all wake up and we look and there's Valda in her window with the shutters open. Everybody! (laughs) I can still see it to this day. These women were hilarious, but they were champions. They were heroes. (laughs) Heroes.
4: Uh,
0: There was another teacher named Elsa Lund. She was from... Uh, Canada Elsa was a single lady there to devote her life her entire life to the people of Liberia years later the the missions agency sent her to Ghana and she served there until she was just too feeble and I think she's still alive today living in Canada and she had been burned as a child kerosene had went down her chest so she had scar tissue on her breast I guess is what she said and uh, I heard her talking to my mom, and you know, with those walls only so high, you know, your <laughs> stuff. And uh, she was devoted, she knew she was supposed to be single, and devoted her life to serving Africa, teaching. And her house was an infirmary, so every morning she had set hours, people would show up with wounds, uh, everything from <coughs> diseases to gaping sores to constipation, she had the meds to help them. And uh, one day my sister got in trouble for sneaking out of the house early and helping her. And my parents wake up, where is she at? Well, she's over at Elsa Mudd's house. Years later, uh, we are going back to Africa, to Zimbabwe, Rhodesia, where I met my wife. And the missionary that preceded us there was a woman, single woman named Wilma Ruth Nix. She was a character. She did not believe in wearing jewelry. It was a personal conviction she had. She thought God did not want her to wear jewelry. God did not want anyone to wear jewelry. And she took it to the extreme she refused to wear a watch. So she would keep a wind-up clock in her purse. But when it was time to rewind the clock, she'd have to ask you what time it was. (laughs) So she had some quirks. But she had done a quality... Job there, she had a church that would rival any church here in America that she was part of seeing built. It was fashioned after uh, Zimbabwe's history. It was red brick. It was beautiful, fabulous, and it's there to this day. She died in a car wreck uh, years later at another country where she was establishing uh, a new missions base. And so she was one of our heroes. And while in Zimbabwe, she was part of seeing a family come to Christ. With ten children. And uh, it was the Bismarck family. They had tried different kinds of religions. From Islam to Jehovah's Witnesses. And they were gloriously saved. But dad wasn't. So Sister Nick's taught the family how to fast and pray. And the dad worked for the railroad. And he would get drunk. And come home and beat his kids. Beat his family. His eldest son who is now a very famous world-famous preacher named Tudor Bismarck. Mm -hmm. He would put him in a bag and hang Tudor from their carport and then just beat on him. Like a piñata. Just a very angry man. And one day while at work, he um, was a switchman for the railroad. He saw a train engine come off the track and go back on the track, which is a physical impossibility. He saw it with his own eyes. He came home from that work that day and gave his life to the Lord. And became a mighty preacher. And, of course, Tudor became what he became. and um, They planted a church there in that same city that's still in existence today. Anyway, it all goes back this to this single person. And uh, there's other heroes I've had. Um, years later after I'm married and have a family we move from Houston to the Dallas-Fort Worth Metroplex and we plan a church that doesn't work. So after two and a half years of really hard work we wound up closing it down. I was heartbroken. And we find a healthy church called Shady Grove Lord confirmed to us that it was to be our home and we went there. The people that ministered to us the most the people that befriended us the people that mentored us oftentimes were people that were even younger than us, not always, but they were all singles. The married folks were living in their own world trying to raise their kids like we were, but the singles had time for others. They were the ones staying after church praying for folks on the parking lot. They were the ones exhorting people as they were getting in their cars. It's just, I think of some of those people. One day one of them came to visit me. Because our church hadn't worked, I had formed a theology in my mind, I hadn't quite verbalized it, that it was wrong to dream. If you dream, it's of the flesh, it's not of God. If God has something for you to do, he'll tell you. But for you to use your creativity and dream, this is just wrong. This is going to get you into error, this is going to get you into into trouble. Uh, into works of the flesh. And this guy, Jeff Bynum, came to see me. And he had a word from God for me. He said, Alan, you are not seeing things right. God gave us the ability to dream. He expects us to dream and to use our imagination, our creativity. But we must always present those dreams to him in prayer. We just don't take off and run and get ahead of God. But we present them to him in prayer. And it hit me between the eyes. It changed my life because I realized... Before, when I was dreaming and pursuing those dreams, I really wasn't praying. And now that I'm not dreaming, I'm still not really praying. So my dreams should drive me to a place of prayer. Anyway, my life was changed because of a single guy, And I'm convinced were it not for the ministry of single believers, I wouldn't be here today. So look at this verse. Uh, In future weeks, I hope that we'll look at the whole chapter in depth. But tonight, just to... Get things off the ground and not be so heavy. Just read, re, li, listen to this. First uh, Corinthians seven thirty-two. Can somebody read that?
4: He who is unmarried cares for the things of the Lord, how he may please the
2: Lord.
0: And of course, the context is a guy who's married. He's got to worry about his wife and you know things of the world. All right, somebody want to read verse thirty-four?
2: The unmarried woman cares about the things of the Lord that she may be holy in both
0: body and, and in spirit. And there again the context says a married woman has to take care of her husband and her kids and, and the things of the world. So just by being single, there is the spiritual advantage of not having as much distraction. doesn't mean you're not going to have distraction, but not having as much Uh, Miriam was a senior sister of Moses who helped her prominent prophet brother with some aspects of leading the people of Israel. She helped organize Israelite women into the first choir recorded in the Bible. And of course, she got kind of ahead of herself and tried to organize a rebellion against her brother Moses and got spanked for it. Yeah. Temporary for three days. Um, Elijah became the most influential prophet of Israel after the Israelite monarchy was split into two kingdoms. The kingdom of Israel in the north and the kingdom of Judah in the south. Elijah was the national prophet to the northern kingdom. The nation of Israel had a civil disagreement and they busted up. So Elijah ministered to the people that lived in the northern kingdom. Elijah was distinguished as one of the only two individuals in the Bible who went to heaven without dying physically. The other one was Enoch. 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 And there are several Enoch's in the Bible, so I don't know that he was married. I haven't checked into that, but anyway. Um, Elisha was mentioned, was mentored by Elijah. He succeeded Elijah as prophet to the kingdom of Israel, the kingdom in the north. Unlike his predecessor, who was a man of the wild, Elisha freely associated with everyday people. His many miracles resemble the later miracles of Jesus. Elisha was probably the most Christ-like prophet in the Old Testament. He practiced New Testament virtues like giving your enemy food and water. He, uh, I think he multiplied bread one time and fed some folks. He had a double, portion. double portion. yes. Jeremiah was specifically ordered by Yahweh not to marry. So he had a calling to be single. He preached for about 50 years leading up to the destruction of Jerusalem by the Babylonian army. He wrote a book that got thrown into the fire and he had to write it again and it came out even bigger. Um, Daniel was one of a handful of people in scripture of whom nothing negative is said. Like Joseph before him, Daniel became a master of dreams with prophetic overtones. The book named after him has become indispensable to students and scholars of Bible prophecy. And children at church remember the story of Daniel in the lion's den. Uh, dietitians have studied the Daniel fast as well. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, which was not their Hebrew names, but those names stuck to them. Uh, who knows their Hebrew names? Ananias, Mishael, and Azariah. See? Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego sounds <laughs> more names. fun, right?
3: <laughs> their heathen names.
0: It was their heathen names. Commonly known as the three Hebrew boys or children displayed brave and courageous devotion to Yahweh in the face of death by burning. The three youngsters were miraculously delivered by God from King Nebuchadnezzar's fiery furnace. I've often wondered, where was Daniel during all this? Somehow they got singled out.
3: <laughs>
0: he was guilty too. He right. might have been
3: with like the king's procession though could have been. Because he was one of the top advisors so he wouldn't been out in the masses that was bowing down to the king's
0: discussion. So the king and his advisors, true that's true. we've been praying, oh Lord help them uh, John the Baptist was cousin to Jesus in six months older than Jesus John was much like Elijah, removed from people and very pointed and confrontational in his preaching. His purpose in life was to prepare the nation of Israel for the arrival of the Messiah and to introduce the Savior to the world His greatest honor was to baptize Jesus Christ in the Jordan River. And what was in his diet? Locusts and and wild honey. And some Bible scholars say, well, locusts were part of a tree called the locust tree, and there's beans from locusts. But if you read the Law of Moses, it was kosher to eat certain kinds of locusts. He very well could have been eating bugs. All right, the Apostle John may have been single because there's no mention of his wife. (laughs) He authored five books. And the letters of the New five books and letters of the New Testament, including the Gospel of John and the prophetic book of Revelation, the last book of the Bible. His main themes were truth, light, and love. He became known as the Apostle of Love. Before Jesus died on the cross, he left his mother Mary in the care of John, who became the last of the New Testament apostles to die. Mary Magdalene was a single woman, she may have married later, I don't know, who supported the ministry of Jesus all the way. She was the first individual Jesus appeared to after he rose from the dead, and she was first to report the news of his resurrection to the apostles. Some call her an evangelist. Some say she's the first evangelist. Lazarus and his sisters, Mary and Martha, were probably unmarried. These three siblings remained devoted followers of Jesus Of course, Lazarus became famous as the guy who Jesus brought back from the dead after he'd been dead for four days, a miracle which precipitated the arrest and murder of Jesus Christ. The Apostle Paul was by far the most accomplished Christian in the New Testament, surpassing even the apostles who physically walked with Jesus. He wrote half of the New Testament's 27 books and letters, and he became the most successful missionary and church planner. Without Paul, the faith that Jesus introduced would have probably remained little more than a sect within Judaism. Paul made Christianity a universal faith by taking the gospel to the Gentiles. Barnabas was the man credited with being the first to accept Paul while the church was still skeptical of him, who used to harass and kill Christians before he was converted. Barnabas mentored Paul, gave him credibility, and went with Paul on the first missionary journey when the two men planted several churches among the Gentiles. Timothy became Paul's most trusted spiritual son. Timothy was the biracial son of a Greek father and a Jewish mother. As a youth, Timothy became an able Christian leader who pastored the famous church of Ephesus. The same church pastored by John the Beloved. The same church where Mary the mother of Jesus was a member. Can you imagine being a single young man pastoring Jesus' mama? Lydia was a wealthy businesswoman, remember the seller of purple, who accommodated Paul and his missionary team in the city of Philippi, where Paul planted the most mission-minded church of his career. Lydia became a charter member of the Philippian church, and she was probably a leader there. Jesus Christ remains the most famous single ever. He is the number one role model of what it means to live the single life. The church, which is the movement that Christ founded, needs to remember that our founder was a single man. The historical fact should motivate every church to find ways to make singles an important part of their ministry. Rather than unintentionally <coughs> sidelining singles in our good efforts to promote marriage. And with that I want to say, Jesus could have been married if he wanted to or if it was God's will. And it would not have been sinful. Okay? would not have been sinful, but he wasn't. Uh, the list doesn't... Even include Ruth's mother-in-law, Naomi, and Anna the prophetess who prophesied over the baby Jesus. Widows who remain single for the rest of their lives. Singles deserve our respect, not our suspicion or our sympathy.
2: Can you explain that one a little further? Explain what? Go on a little further. Like that last paragraph. The last,
0: the one I just said?
2: Yeah, were they not included because?
0: No, no, this list wasn't. This is a list of some of the single people in the Bible. Uh And in addition to the list, he didn't go into details about them, was these two women, Ruth's mother-in-law Naomi and Anna the prophetess. Wow. Uh, There's also one that's not included, the Ethiopian eunuch. He was a single man. He was a eunuch. And he got converted on his way home from Jerusalem with Philip the evangelist he goes home and church history says that he helped convert the queen. The Lord used him to to bring the queen to Christ. Queen Candace, I think her name was. Was it Candace? Correct me if I'm wrong. And she built the first church building. Christian church building. I don't know that it's still there, but Ethiopia is known as a Christian nation. And it's surrounded by Islamic nations. It's surrounded by by really rough stuff, at least so Islamic areas and it's a strong uh, Christian nation and uh, there's Jews coming to Christ left and right in Ethiopia now and it all goes back their hero is that their national hero is that unit that brought the gospel to their land a single man. so. So with us being single, you're amongst great people here. Right? Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. No second class citizens. All right. We, 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 you know, we'll get into it in future weeks probably. That all of us are to be crucified with Christ. Our crucifixions have all been arranged. All right. And marriage, a good marriage, is true, two crucifixions. And one resurrection. And I'm not saying that my wife. and Have arrived there. But it's tough. Paul said in 1 Corinthians 7. Those who marry will have trouble in the flesh. So it's tough being single. And it's tough being married. The father's intent is to conform us all. To the image of his son. However he does that. Uh, One of my single heroes. She's no longer single. Is my own daughter. Um. She got married at the age of 33 and it looked like she was never going to get married. So instead of pining her life away, she got an education and she busied herself with mission trips and a career of delivering babies and becoming a midwife and working in hospitals and teaching in colleges. And she's still doing that kind of thing, still has a passion for the nation, but she lived a full life even as a single woman. She took advantage of her singleness. And we thought she never would get married because her standards were so high for a man. And it took a guy to pursue her and not be repelled by her. Poor guy. And uh, Yeah, so uh, anyway. So my efforts here today is to start something that's encouraging to those who are single. Because my heroes have often been single. With that being said... Look at what Jesus said in Matthew 19. He said, "All cannot accept this saying, but only those to whom it has been given. For there are eunuchs who were born thus from their fo- their mother's womb. All right, some people are eunuchs because they're born that way, and there are eunuchs who were made that made eunuchs by men. All right, there was a time in history when they would." Castrate men and make them eunuchs. It was cruel. It was a horrible practice. But there was two kinds of eunuchs there. And then there are eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs for the kingdom of heaven's sake. I believe these eunuchs who have made themselves eunuchs are basically people who have devoted their singleness for the sake of the kingdom. I believe Paul was one of those people. I believe Jesus was one of those people. He physically wasn't a eunuch. But he made himself one. He lived as though he was one for the sake of the kingdom. And then he says, who is able to accept it, let him accept it. Because it's not for everybody. Not for everybody. Anyway. So any questions or input?
4: But, Pull!
3: <laughs> What's the, the format of the the week's lessons going to be like?
0: It's going to be the truth about marriage. Okay. Things they may not hear in there but it's the reason they're hearing what they're hearing in there, the marriage group. I think some singles suffer because they're lied to by married couples. They're not told the whole truth, that it's just eternal bliss from now on. Why can't I have eternal bliss from now on? That's not true. Married life is tough. It's hard. It's death to self. It's, it's uh, yeah, anyway, so... It's hard to become one. It's hard to become one. Yeah. We're going to talk about the traps of comparison. We're going to put that thing under our feet. Uh, the advantages of singleness, opportunities, the real truth about marriage, and celibacy itself. And whatever else. I'm, I'm open for input. And some of you guys may actually teach one of these. It's Just six of them. so.
2: So while, while we're doing this, I don't. I'm sorry, you were about to say no, something. No, no, no. It's, it's just. No, I tried to, to find. I'm almost like
4: Phoenix. Is like. Well, I don't know. We're gonna. Where are we gonna wind up with this
0: class? You know, we'll have the singles, rooting section, or ensure, rock, rah, rock, you know? or, or is it just it's to encourage? It's not to build a singles group per say. it's to encourage you. <coughs> as a single person, that the enemy will be disarmed so you're no longer beating yourself up for being single or whatever. You see, you have a future, you have advantages, you have opportunities, you have a purpose, and you have esteem from the scriptures. And uh, you hopefully have a good understanding of 1 Corinthians chapter 7. And we don't want to create a, a, a selfishness by it, by focusing on you know, I'm single. I'm single. I'm single. But it's healthy to have an understanding of who we are, so we can go on. And it's all about being conformed to Christ.
1: I think what? it's good to build the not. I mean, I know that it seems to be a, a bad word saying a single is great, but I think it's good to have a. You know, I think the, the bigger the body grows together. In yeah. A, in a singleness, And that you know, I didn't even know any of these all these people. Yeah, or some, some yeah of I'm surprised I'm not. I'm married. But I think yeah. What are you doing
0: good. here? <laughs> <laughs> She's a women's pastor. <laughs> I ministry brothers. So, yeah.
1: I think it's just good to have. Um, I mean, every person on on the earth needs to have people to fellowship with and to uh-huh. um, share. You know, to share God with. Yeah. And, I mean, if when you're alone, and a lot of times, I mean, people end up being alone too often. And I think that, that the, that's good. something from, you know, Satan would like us to all divide and to be separated. Yeah. I think kind of like all the denominations kind of separate us from God and really being together. I think that it can kind of come off like it's something negative to be single where... Yeah. You know, a group, or you know, we we under we all know that these all, you know we're single, and I don't. I mean, I'm I'm fine with that, but yeah. we can help help each other well. and help.
0: You know, well, I hope people. what I said is not shooting down that idea. I no, just wanted you to know I don't have an agenda to do that. Right. Uh, a pot, we've had guys try to start a singles ministry with our church and it didn't work. But years ago, we had somebody did that did and it worked. And here's here's how it happened. His name was Brant Burkhart. He was a single father of two sons. And Brett had this idea. I mean, God has partnered with me to do a monthly singles dinner at some restaurant somewhere. And he began to build a mailing list, and this thing grew to like seventy people. Mm-hmm. And it got too big to go to a restaurant, and they began meeting at that chapel that got moved. It's a historic building that's part of that stuff there off of uh, Crockett Street, and is it Crockett? Allen Square. The Crockett and Bridge, on Bridge Street, and a block off of Crockett. And it grew, and uh, the monthly meetings just grew. And all he did was uh, was kind of moderated this meeting that started, but he was very faithful in, this This was before email, or maybe right when the email was starting, but before texting. And he's really faithful to communicate with them what was going to happen, and it was nothing fancy, and the thing grew. And then he met a woman and got married that was in the group. So he turned it over to a man named Mike McMahon. And Mike McMahon um, met a woman and he got married.
1: <laughs>
0: man, and the group, like that good deal yeah, the group just. The group evolved Mike McMahon gave it a mission. The group evolved into celebrate recovery. Celebrate Recovery goes to Mike McMahon. Mike McMahon goes back to Brant Burkhardt at Shady Grove Church, what we were called back then, started that group. And now Mike McMahon is no longer... Celebrate Recovery has got a life of its own. It meets at Lakeside. It grew to the point it started meeting there. Anyway, Mike McMahon stepped aside, let other people he mentored take it over and run with it. And it's more stronger than ever. And it uh, has chapters in... Uh, the jail for women and the jail for men and the juvenile jail. They're baptizing kids in our juvenile jail that are doing Celebrate Recovery. Wow. And it all in my mind all goes back to a single man. Wow. <laughs> and Mike and Sandy have a church, a house church in their house, Fellowship Church. Have you ever met Mike and Sandy? Mm-hmm. He's in his 70s, planning a church. <laughs> Just got a heart. They're a couple that has a heart for others. They're my heroes. My heroes have often been married folks, too. So and there's
2: well, also <laughs> a Todd Stamen,
0: who's single half of his life, because they're separated <laughs> He and oh, yeah. his wife, they live apart. Yeah, he lives as though he's single. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but he was single for years before he met her, I think. So, yeah. yeah that's good. And you guys are single. You guys are awesome. Anyway
4: agree with everything Teresa said. I want to take it a little further, though. I know lots of people. I see that. Lots of people, and I, I, I'm involved in a number of things, okay? And so it's not, about, it's not about all the things that you're doing or how many people you know. Life's about relationships and the, and the rest of it's details. Um, when you're single, and you've been single a long time, it's just not as easy. To be involved in meaningful relationships. Now, that doesn't mean ju- just just the married relationship. Because you're single, the whole soci- society is set up <coughs> to meet the needs of people two by two. Okay, and what I want to see happen is a is a group of people who not only value each other and value their singleness, but value the fact. That we would like to have meaningful relationships, and we don't have to be married to one another to do that. Mm-hmm. But um, because the society is so geared to 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 marriage, we really we really need to learn how as singles to have meaningful relationships, whether we're in long term relationships or not.
0: Yeah. All right. Anybody have anything we can pray about? Or, or, or oh, just praise God, request, Praise <laughs> requests. More well, just
2: this group?
4: Yeah, let's uh, pray for this
0: group.
2: Yeah.
4: All right.
0: Let's just take a few minutes and pray for this group. Bill, why don't you start us off? And anybody else as you feel led to pray out, you don't have to, but you can.
2: Heavenly Father, it's always good when we're gathered in your name uh, to ask for the. The anointing of the Holy Spirit. And we know when when the Holy Spirit is present, uh, man, just awesome things happen. Awesome things happen. Uh, Fruit of the knowledge uh, and wisdom uh, is, I think, what we're here to seek, Lord. Um, Grant us that uh, knowledge and wisdom. And we'll do great.
0: Lord. Lord, I thank you that we're with uh, brothers and sisters who are faithful to not forsake the assembling of themselves together. We pray, Lord, that you would go with us and enable us to do your will and in our marriages and in our singleness, God, that we would be effective for you and that we would not miss opportunities uh, to do your will. And God, we pray for your blessings upon this group. That this group would be edifying and encouraging, and that Lord, you would inspire out of this group whatever you want it to be. Lord, speak to the hearts of those that are to step up if they are, Lord. And uh, God, we just pray that we would not become ingrown, but God, we would the influence of this would continue to expand the cause of your kingdom, Lord.
3: God, we pray for the situation at Fort Hood mm-hmm. and the three. The three victims that are dead and the shooter that's dead, and God, we just ask that you, you with family members and um, this crisis that that's taken place at, in Fort Hood, and, and that you just bring comfort to family members and bring peace to the community. We pray for our military all over. Pray for their protection, and we pray for their God that hope would come to people and the members of the military
2: dear Lord we lift every person in attendance here up that their families may be ministered to that your word will be lit a fire in each of their families and that each one of us present will continue to be that light that you called us to be Lord Bless us, sanctify us, show us the path this week as we go out amongst the world and look forward to gathering ourselves back together again. In Jesus' name, we ask all.